Welcome to Sports Bites, the podcast that serves up a winning combination of sports and food. So get ready to dive into the latest scores and game analysis, all while savoring discussions about your favorite game day snacks and culinary delights. I'm your host, Chris Joseph, and together we will explore the delicious intersection of athleticism and gastronomy. So let's kick off this flavorful journey of episode 14. I hope you guys are ready for the weekend. This is kind of my new segment that I'm doing. I'm breaking it up so I don't feel I've got to rush college and pro together. This is going to be my NFL breakdown. I'll have a college one, which I released yesterday, and an NFL one. And then I'll do the recap as well individually. So that way we can go over it. In this episode, I'm going to talk about all the NFL action coming up. Thursday night game last night as the Giants still looking bad. Loss against the 49ers. We'll talk about that. We'll look ahead to the games this weekend and Monday night, another couple great games on Monday night football, some crazy news going on around the NFL, some unfortunate injuries. I'll have my give them a six or six picks at the end of the segment as well. And also I'll dive into my top five favorite fast food burgers and feel free to interact on all the social media platforms. Podcast has social media. TikTok is at Sports Bites Pod. Instagram is Sports Bites Podcast. And remember, Bites is B-Y-T-E-S. And X slash Twitter, whatever you want to call it, at Sports Bites Pod 1. That's how you can interact. You can let me know what your favorites are. You can let me know if you think that my favorites are wrong. You know, I love the interaction. If you have some questions you want me to answer, I can answer them live on the podcast. And we can really have a good time with that. But I love to get that interaction going. So feel free to get that interaction going. Also, remember, we're available on all major podcast platforms. So like follow, review, spread the word. I would really appreciate that. But this week's NFL action, it started last night, Thursday night football, 49ers 13th straight regular season game in a row. They handed the Giants a 30 to 12 loss. Brock Purdy efficient again, threw for 310 yards, finding Debo Samuel and Ronnie Bell for touchdowns after a 3-3 tie in the first quarter. Christian McCaffrey continued his streak of now 12 straight games with scoring a touchdown. And that's impressive. It really is. If you think about scoring a touchdown in that many straight NFL games, it's it's really, really impressive what he's doing. And you know teams are gearing up to stop him, but they can't. It's just he finds a way to get into the end zone. And I think, you know, you talk about the weapons that the 49ers have, whether it's Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, you know, George Kittle. But I think one of the big keys to that offense is Kyle Juszczyk and his versatility. Is he a fullback? Is he a tight end? He'll do whatever the 49ers need. And then the defense playing extremely well. They limited that anemic Giants offense to 150 total yards. The Giants are you know, losing ground in the NFC East because every other team's sitting at 2-0. Now, we found out before the game, Brendan Ayuk missed his first game since his rookie season with a shoulder injury, but the offense just kept clicking on. Up next for the Giants, they will host the Seattle Seahawks on Monday Night Football on the 2nd of October. And I just, how is a team this bad? on prime time so many times. I'm just, I'm trying to figure it out because I'm a Commanders fan. Yes, I know. I think we got a game coming up on a Thursday night with the Bears, which I think is an atrocious game to set up. One, because the Bears are just a dumpster fire. But the Giants, they were on with the Cowboys, got absolutely destroyed. They were on Thursday night, and they're going to be on another Monday night game. They're just not a good football team. There's a clip that's going around now that's viral of Daniel Jones, and he looks absolutely scared and confused looking at the 49er defense. It's not a good look. I just don't understand how they're on TV on prime time that much. I mean, I get every NFL team is on TV. But to be on prime time, 
not that good of a team. 49ers will host Arizona on October 1st. Heading over to the AFC, the Titans will travel to Cleveland. Both teams are 1-1. One one. The Browns coming off that loss to Pittsburgh on Monday night, and especially losing Nick Chubb to that terrible knee injury. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. Nick Chubb, one of the best backs out there, you know, workhorse. Deshaun Watson has to be better with the football. The Cleveland defense is good and will put some pressure on Ryan Tannehill and make him play like he did in that first game of the year when he threw three interceptions. The Browns will also need to bottle up Derrick Henry, and it could be a good old-fashioned slugfest. Even with Chubb being out, the Browns have signed Kareem Hunt to help boost the ground game. With the team having issues with Jerome Ford, which kind of surprised me, I like Cleveland in the game due to their defense, and I think they forced Tennessee into some bad spots as long as Deshaun Watson can hold on to the football. The line is Cleveland by three with an over of 39 and a half. I think there's supposed to be some weather still hanging around from the weekend because I know there's rain forecast for the Cincinnati-Oklahoma game on Saturday. I think it's still supposed to be weather involved. I, I don't know. I, I see a slugfest in that game. I, I don't see it going over that many points, but I, I would still be a little cautious. But I think I would take um, Cleveland covering in that game. I think the defense can really get to Atlanta heads to Detroit to take on the Lions. Lions are looking to bounce back after dropping that home opener against the Seahawks in overtime. And obviously the quarterback advantage goes to the Lions with Goff under center. And that's not trying to discredit Desmond Ritter. It's just what Goff has been through. You know, has only thrown one interception on the year. And that was the pick six last week to former Oklahoma defensive back Trey Brown. Amon Ross St. Brown is questionable. If he doesn't play, puts a little kink into that Lions offense. But guys like Josh Reynolds, Sam Laporta, and I'd even look for a guy like Jameer Gibbs to step up, play a bigger role in the passing game, show his speed. I think the offense will still be okay. The defense for Detroit has to start getting to the quarterback, though. They've only got one sack on the year, and that was by Alex Anzalone. And that was in that game against Seattle. They got the sack late to be able to get the ball back and kick a field goal to tie the game. You know, the Falcons, a surprise 2-0 team, and one of the brightest young stars of the game in B. John Robinson Desmond Ritter is a threat with his legs as well, his arm. You know, he, he's a solid quarterback. He needs to use Kyle Pitts and Drake London more to get that offense going. And, and I mentioned in my last episode that this Falcons team believes, their coach believes in them, going for it twice on fourth down, once putting the ball into the rookie's hands, and, and it builds confidence moving forward. The line is Detroit three and a half, over 46. I would probably go with the over in this game. But, you know, the NFL, it's so strange how many games end up that three-point, you know, line. But I would probably, whew, I'd probably go Detroit minus the three. I'd get Detroit covering in this game. Just because, I, you know, I believe in Detroit. I had them pick to win the NFC North this year. And they started out with such a great victory over the Kansas City Chiefs. A little let down last week against the Seahawks, but I think they bounced back against the Falcons this week. The New Orleans Saints visit Lambeau Field. Derek Carter looked good on Monday night in this win over the Carolina Panthers. He and his two-star receivers, Chris Olave, Michael Thomas. I mean, I love Chris Olave. I love Chris, uh, and, and again, I, I don't like Ohio State, but I can always tip my hat to greatness, and Chris Olave is a fantastic wide receiver. You know, they brought Michael Thomas back. They both put up big numbers. Taysom Hill is your leading rusher for the Saints, but I know they want to get Jamal Williams going, but he's questionable for the game this weekend. I don't know. The Saints will have a tougher challenge in stopping the passing attack of Jordan Love and the Packers. Their previous two games were not against the best passing attacks, but I love that Love and the Packers want to get a win for their home opener, get plenty of Lambeau leaps going. Love is completing just 55% of his passes, but has yet to throw an interception while throwing six touchdowns. So again, clean football. I talked about that yesterday. 
in the college game. If, if your quarterback is not turning the ball over, it's going to put you in better, more advantageous position to win the game. The Packers in the last game, they, they let it slip away against Atlanta. Another tough challenge for the Packers with the Saints. 2-0 the line. Green Bay by two uh, with an over of 42.5. I like the over in that game. I like the over in the game, and I'd probably go Green Bay to cover, giving the two points in that one. But yeah, it, it's it's always fun when you go to, uh, to Green Bay. I got to see one Green Bay game. Now, I saw the Green Bay when they played at Milwaukee County Stadium. I didn't even get to see them at Lambeau Field. It was when I graduated boot camp, uh, the weekend that I graduated from Great Lakes. A bunch of us rent a limo, and we went up to <laughs> Green Bay, Milwaukee, and we saw the Dolphins and the Packers play at Milwaukee County Stadium, which was uh, it was kind of cool to see there. Denver travels to Miami, and this one could be a high-scoring affair. The Dolphins can score quick and from anywhere. Tua and Tyreek Hill have become a dangerous combination. They got running back Raheem Mostert, Jalen Waddell. This offense, if they can keep Tua healthy, things should go well for Miami this year. I think they'll probably be the favorite to win the AFC East. Denver can score as well. You know, I saw that firsthand last week watching, you know, as they played my favorite team, the Commanders, Russell Wilson, now as Jerry Judy, Marvin Mims, I, I don't know if, if and, and Russell's always been known for a strong arm. Yes, he's he's a little bit aged now in his veterans, but I don't know if he can outthrow Marvin Mims. And Marvin Mims, you know, on his touchdown that he had against Washington, you know, he outran Emmanuel Forbes, the first round draft pick that the Redskins had out of Mississippi State. And of course, being an Oklahoma fan, I saw Marvin Mims come, and I love what he does. And he showed out last week. So then you see more of that. But I think Vance Joseph and that team need to really get that defense together. But Javante Williams, Samaj P. Ryan, they've got to get more on, on, the, on the ground game. So it's not all on Russell Wilson. But Vance Joseph, figure out the second half. Second half collapses. you got to get an entire game out of that defense. Denver has to get better after the first half of that scripted play. Because the offense, once the defense makes uh, adjustments, they seem to be a little bit flustered. Now, that first half, when Sean Pate can script it, has everything done, first 15, 20 plays, that offense hums along. But once the defense adjusts, they kind of have issues. The line is Miami, six and a half to over 48. I would probably stay away from the line. I would probably go with the over in this game. I think it goes over 48 and a half. I think it easily goes over 48 and a half. But I, I've been wrong many, many times. 0-2 Chargers, the 0-2 Vikings square off in of Minnesota. Hey, one of these teams is going to get a win, right? And we sort of you know, can say, well, they could tie, but nobody likes to tie. Justin Herbert and the Chargers haven't played bad, yet they find themselves in this 0-2 hole. Herbert completing 67% of his passes with three touchdowns. Austin Eckler out last week. The team is led by Joshua Kelly in the ground game. With Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, the Chargers offense is good. They just sputter down the stretch, and maybe that goes back to head coach Brandon Staley. Maybe there's a disconnect there. Killer Moore is the offensive coordinator. Maybe the maybe the attention needs to shift to defensive coordinator Derek Ansley. When you have a linebacking core that includes guys like Joey Bosa, Eric Kendricks, Kenneth Murray, Khalil Mack, that should be a, a stout defense. Okay, but for some reason they, they they tend to fall apart. Again, look back to last year against the Jaguars in the playoffs, twenty-seven point lead, and you lose that game. As for Minnesota. They've had a problem holding the football. Kirk Cousins is playing well. It's the other uh, other players are having an issue with ball security, and it's caused the Vikings. The Vikings have no rushing game to speak of at the moment. In two games so far in the NFL season, they have 69 yards. Nice. That's terrible. They've given up an average of 166 yards per game. Did the loss of the Giants last year in the NFC playoffs break them? 
They thought they were going to be in the NFC Championship game last year, and that's a surprising loss to the Giants in the playoffs, and it's kind of, you know, sent them sputtering. Now, the game's a pick them. It's in Minnesota, so you probably lean towards the home team. With the over 54, I'd go over. I think, again, there's going to be a lot of points scored in this game. If I'm just picking straight up, I would probably take Minnesota, and I would take the over. But another AFC East battle, the Patriots head to New York to take on the Jets. The Jets are in turmoil. Zach Wilson back at QB1. Brees Hall on social media about his lack of touches. The Jets D can help the team. It may help them win a few games if Zach Wilson can mature and grow this season, but he has to cut down on the interception. I know the Bills. I know they face the Bills and the Cowboys in back-to-back weeks, and that may skew the numbers, but if you want to be a top team, you have to beat top teams. The Patriots 0-2 need to find an explosive weapon. This team is more of a wear-you-down team with Ramondre Stevenson and no real flash, you know, unless Juju Smith-Schuster can step up. Or rookie Kayshawn Boutte, who, again, has been kind of a disappointment since, I don't know, two years ago at LSU. When there was so much hype and then attitude problems, everything going on. I don't know if he's ever going to get to that, you know, that dreaded word potential with Boutte. The line in the game, New England by two and a half. The over 37, I would probably go. I'd probably go with the under in this game. And I like New England at home getting the two and a half points. Just not two really good football teams right now. Houston Texans travel to Jacksonville to take on the Jags after a tough loss last week for the Jags, facing the defending Super Bowl champions, the Chiefs. You know, the offense had a hard time really getting anything going as Chris Jones returned, and he had a field day against rookie Anton Harrison. He pushed him around the entire game. You know, Jacksonville has all the pieces to challenge again with Calvin Ridley, Christian Kirk, Travis Etienne, along with Tank Bigsby. You know, that's a great running back combination there. They have to get the line squared away to move forward and have the year that the Jaguars want. And I know Anton Harrison, he's a rookie, he's an Oklahoma guy, but Chris Jones manhandled him that game. Gave up a sack and a half and I think five pressures in that game. That was a baptism for Anton Harrison. The Texans come in sitting at 0-2. Rookie quarterback C.J. Stroud, who has yet to throw an interception, completing 67% of his passes, you know, and has a trio of wide receivers he feels comfortable with and Nico Collins, Robert Woods, Tank Dale, the rookie out of Houston, so he's there playing where he played college ball. And on the defensive side of the ball, you know, D'Amico Ryan's will build a nasty defense in time. It's going to take some time. But they have some good pieces. Rookie Will Anderson Jr., Christian Harris, with Derek Stingley Jr. as a defensive back. The team will have its growing pains under first-year head coach, but it'll be interesting to follow the growth. The line in this one, there's a lot of big lines in the NFL this week. The line is Jacksonville by 9.5 to over a 44. I would probably probably stay away from both those. Um, If I had to put money on it, I would probably go Houston plus 9.5 and the under, maybe. I, I don't know. I don't know. Just... It's crazy to think where the AFC South can be here in the near future. Speaking of AFC South, the Colts, they head to Baltimore to face Lamar Jackson, the Ravens, and possibly without with Anthony Richardson on the sideline due to the concussion protocol. Richardson had not practiced as of Wednesday, so it may be Minshew mania time for the Colts with Gardner Minshew making his first start for Indianapolis. Now, the Colts did not need any more bad news, you know, with anything going on in the running game with the whole Jonathan Taylor situation going. But Zach Moss, a third-year man from Utah, 88 yards and a touchdown in the last game. Now, Minshew may be more of an accomplished passer than Richardson, but at this point in their careers, it will, you know, it'll be a downgrade in athleticism over Gardner Minshew. But this was the Colts head coach, 
Um, I'll just start off uh, in regards to Anthony and Ryan Kelly. Um, they're both in the protocol. Um, they won't practice today, uh, but they're both progressing well. Not boxing you in here in any fashion, but um, not practicing today still, would that theoretically still leave um, time to pass protocol and play Sunday for guys just in general? Yeah, yeah, we'll see. I'm, I'm going to rely on the doctors uh, for that stuff, and then we'll go from there. Rely on the doctors. The Ravens have been looking pretty good on offense now that they have Mark Andrews back in the lineups. Lamar Jackson having a good year, completing 74% of his passes, two touchdowns, one interception. With Andrews, I think it's going to open up more opportunities for that dynamic rookie Zay Flowers. He and Nelson Aguilar can be a really dynamic pair to go along with Jackson. Defensively, Roquan Smith flying around like a man possessing the field. He's leading the way, 21 tackles so far for the Ravens. And I've always loved what Roquan Smith brings to the field. Just an absolute beast. Uh, the line is Baltimore by seven and a half to over 45. Uh, I'd probably go under, but I'd probably go Baltimore minus a seven and a half. They'd probably win by 10. Carolina, the Panthers head to Seattle. Bryce Young and the vet Geno Smith square off in Seattle, a little juiced up after their win last week against Detroit. Bryce Young is questionable, and I think it came out that he's not going to play after suffering some sort of ankle injury on Monday night in the loss against the Saints, and that means Andy Dalton's going to get the start. Dalton did start in 14 games last year for the Saints, so he's not going to be, you know, knocking off a lot of rust going back under Cinder. You know, Miles Sanders, their team's leading rusher, is confident in Dalton, and he trusts if he's thrust into action. And Geno Smith had one of the best interactions I've ever heard in the game with an official. And as a former official, like, I've talked to people, like, I've had some great interactions with coaches and some with players. But this was the interaction after a particularly bad call in the game against Seattle and Detroit. That's intentional grounding. Offense number seven. It's a 10-yard penalty. I'm talking to America here. Excuse me. It's a 10-yard penalty and a loss of down. Second down. That is the best line I've ever heard out of an official. We'll get to the penalty in a minute. He just told Geno Smith I'm talking to America. Pete Carroll is livid. Head official Alex Kemp was making his call to America, and he let Geno Smith know. And I thought it was great. You know, sometimes how you address and talk to a player, talk to a coach. You know, there was a particular coach. I remember I was on the sidelines. I was a, a wing official and I threw an offensive pass interference because I had a receiver downfield blocking on a pass beyond the line of scrimmage. So you call an offensive pass interference. And I just remember, you know, hearing him, you know, he's got that coach's voice, Chris, what happened? I said, well, coach, well, number 82, whatever his number was, Holding downfield, that's offensive pass interference. And he goes, well, hell, he's a good kid. I was like, I'm not flagging his personality, you know. So, But that right there, you know, the giving him the business, you know, different. that is one of the best interactions with a referee that I've seen. So Alex Kemp, I'm talking to America here. And he let Geno Smith know it. The Seahawks, they've got a good running back and second-year man, Kenneth Walker, the third-year third man from Michigan State, who – uh and, of course, who would not want to throw the football to D.K. Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, Noah Fan as a tight end? Uh, you also have Jackson Smith and Jigba. Seattle, Seattle, you know, might surprise some people. I wasn't high on them going in the year, but watching the first couple games, they might surprise some people. The line is Seattle by six, over a 42. It's at home. I would probably take Seattle covering on that one. I know it's kind of high. Uh, anything when you get close to a touchdown over the NFL is high. But uh, I, I like the way that the Seahawks are playing. The Bills head over to Landover, Maryland, and they take on my team, the 2-0 Commanders. This has all the making of a shootout. 
all of it. I mean, there, you, you think about Josh Allen and his guys, Sam Howell and his. Now, the Bills responded very well after that disappointing loss to the Jets in the opening weekend. James Cook clipping off at 5.8 yards of carry. Stephon Diggs appears to be uncoverable at this time. And it's going to be interesting to see if the commanders will put rookie Manuel Forbes on Diggs. But everybody knows the Bills go, so goes Josh Allen. And when Josh Allen is good, the Bills look like they can run through anyone. When he's bad, it makes Bills fans kind of question the future of the team. Now, Sam Howell has come in and done all he's been asked to do, and is performing really well in this Eric Bieniemy offense. Now, of course, having Terry McLaurin, Jahan Doxson, to go along with Brian Robinson Jr., this offense, when clicking, can put up some points. Now, the defensive side of the ball, it was great to see Chase Young back playing like Chase Young. He's causing havoc. They just can't start so slow. I mean, Denver jumped out to a 21-3 lead. The D woke up in the second half. Same thing against the Cardinals. They responded in the second half. They need to get really going. Again, see a complete game. Six sacks. They're tied for the lead in the NFL, I think, with 10 so far in the first part of this season. The stadium is sold out. The vibes are good at FedEx Field. You're probably going to hear Hail to the Redskins being played. And I know they're not called that anymore, but you're going to hear the fight song. The line is Buffalo minus six and a half, over a 44. I think Buffalo wins the game. Uh, you know, I think they win the game. But I think it's close. So I would take Washington plus the six and a half. The over of 44, I like that too. I think there's going to be some scoring in this game. I hate saying I think my team's going to lose, but Buffalo is a really good football. If, if Washington can win this game, it's going to tell me a lot. It's going to tell me a lot. But we will uh, we'll wait to see. The Bears. <sighs> the Bears travel to Kansas City. And I'm going to talk more about the Bears after I... I, I I do this little breakdown of the, of, the, of the game. They travel to Kansas City. They take on Mahomes, the defending Super Bowl champions. The Bears loses of 12 in a row, need answers in a lot of places. It's not just on the offensive side of the ball. You know, Justin Fields. In those 12 losses, they've given up 25 points or more in all of them. Justin Fields continues to look like he's regressed as a quarterback. You know, I mentioned in episode Tuesday, I feel they're trying to keep him in the pocket, and that's not his game, and it's strangling him. And what happens Wednesday, he comes out with comments about, you know, what's holding you back? He said coaches, and he walked that back, and I just, there's a lot of problems in Chicago right now. His clock is all off. His ability to read defense is lacking. Maybe they're putting too much on him. He's a phenomenal athlete, and I think if they would just let him go do his thing and put him in a lot of, like, RPO, give him those run-pass options, it might highlight his strengths, and it could work. Until then, the losses will pile up in the Windy City. You know, Travis Kelsey comes back, scored his first game back as he and Mahomes set the record for most touchdown passes between a quarterback and a receiver in Kansas City history. The Chiefs offense struggling a little bit still. Three early uh, uncommon turnovers in the first half against the Jags that kept Jacksonville in the game. And I'm going to continue to watch this year with the loss of offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy if it's going to cost the Chiefs down the road. Chris Jones being back brings a new element to the Chiefs' D. They start getting a, you know start getting on a roll now with their next four games being against the Bears, the Jets, the Vikings, the Broncos. Huge, huge line in this one. Kansas City, 12.5, the over-under 47.5. Now, the question I have, are the Bears, and, and I say this because I've experienced it being a Washington Commander fan, are the Bears the new, is Chicago the new Washington organization? And such a proud ownership, you know, the Hallis family. You, know, you think about Washington, you know, when they had Jack Kent Cook and, the, you know, the Cook family owning. What Daniel Snyder did to that, that, 
that organization. But now losers of 12 straight, a quarterback who seems out of sorts. And then you have Allen Williams, who quit on Wednesday. He was the defense coordinator. Rumors abound that there was a raid on Hallis House, you know, the practice facility. They're denying that. Sources are telling certain people that there was a raid at Allen Williams' home with some very sensitive information there. They're trying to deny it, saying that he resigned for health and family reasons. There's just a lot, a lot more than football going on in Chicago. And I just, I wonder, has Chicago taken over as the new Washington, being the dumpster fire organization? Dallas takes their swarming defense to the desert to take on the Cardinals. They're going to be without Trayvon Diggs, as it was reported on Thursday that Diggs has torn his ACL and will be out the remainder of the season, which that sucks for the Dallas defense. I mean, they've got a lot of talent there. Josh Dobbs has another week of learning the system and working on his timing with his teammates. I just, I don't think it's going to make much a difference with Micah Parsons and that Cowboys defense on the other side of the ball. James Conner, a workhorse at running back, and I'm going to be interested to see how that, how he does against the Dallas front. But I see a lot of scrambles for Dobbs this Sunday with pressure from all sides. For Dallas, it's good Dak right now. CD had a monster game last week against the Jets. So it it, it it was so good, it made Sauce Gardner delete his social media. Now I will say I love seeing two leading receivers on the field for both teams. Are both former Sooners. CD Lamb and Hollywood Brown. I love it. Here's another double-digit spread, though. Dallas favored by 12 to over a 43. It just it, it's, it's so many points but I, just, I don't know if the Cardinals can score there. I don't know if they can score there. Steelers look to win on the road in uh, at the, I almost said Oakland. I'm just so used to being the Oakland Raiders. But the Steelers look to win on the road against the Raiders for the first time since 1995. Kenny Pickett has not looked like I thought he would look going into this year. But I think we can say that's about the, the Pittsburgh offense. No real rushing attack. Pickett's inconsistent. And they need to get the ball to George Pickens more. Now, the defense can play. Even though they got mushed against the 49ers, it's still a good unit, and they showed with two defensive touchdowns in Monday night's win over the Browns. Now, the Raiders, led by Jimmy Garoppolo and Josh Jacobs, have to get more from other receivers than Devontae Adams. Hunter Renfro looks like he hasn't been part of the game plan all year, and now with no Darren Waller, they need to utilize Austin Hooper in that role. Look for Tyree Wilson to have more of a role on the on this weekend with Chandler Jones questionable for the game. The line is Las Vegas. By two and a half, over 43. I'm going to go with Pittsburgh. I think they get it done. I would take Pittsburgh plus the two and a half here. You, know, you got to get Najee Harris going. You got to get the run game going. Monday night, two games, okay? Monday night is two games with a huge matchup in the NFC of undefeated teams led by Oklahoma quarterbacks. Jalen Hurts and the Eagles heading to Tampa to take on the surprising 2-0 Bucks led by Baker Mayfield. Now, the Eagles' defensive front is going to pose a huge challenge for Baker and the Bucs, and that's why I think it's imperative for them to get the ground game going with Rashad White. Do what you need to do against that front seven. Chip him, double-team him, move the pocket for Baker, but don't leave him in the crosshairs. Now, Baker's played turnover-free ball this year and is showing a skill level in the first two games. Jalen Hurts and the Eagles look like they're ready to make another deep run again this season. I hope he doesn't run himself to death. Let DeAndre Swift be that dude. Let him eat. You have a great core receivers in Devontae Smith, A.J. Brown, and with tight end Dallas Goodert, the offense is dangerous again. But the defensive side of the ball with Jordan Davis, Jalen Carter, Nolan Smith, Keely Ringo, Fletcher Cox, just a list of ballers. The line is Philly by five, the over of 46. Possible weather in this game could be raining. I think I would take Philly minus the five. Wrapping up week three in the NFL is Super Bowl 56 rematch. The Rams and the Bengals meeting in Cincinnati. The Bengals 0-2 for a second year in a row. Seem to be struggling offensively. It may be a game-time decision as for when I publish this. 
Um, Joe Burrow listed as questionable. If he can't go, Jake Browning will have the Bengal fans feeling like uh, like they're Michael Scott when they hear that he's going to be the one starting. No, God, please, no, 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 no. <laughs> That's how Bengal fans are feeling right now. The Bengals have weapons of Joe Mixon, T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, and maybe the calf for Burrow wasn't fully healed from when he hurt it in camp. But if the Bengals go 0-3, the heat's going to be way up on Zach Taylor. Rams are surging with no Cooper Cup. They have a great new threat in Puka Nakua, the record-setting rookie. Looks to build on his great start to the season in his career. Stafford's playing well other than two costly interceptions in the game against the 49ers. The offense going through uh, Puka Nakua, 2-2 Atwell. Right now, the Bengal defense is having trouble stopping people, so it might be what the Rams need to bounce back after losing to the 49ers for the ninth straight time. The line is Cincinnati by two and a half. I would take the Rams plus two and a half over of 43. And that's my breakdown of what's going to happen into... I hope you guys enjoy it. Now it's time for my give them a sixer, six picks. Here's the snap, look, swing play to Payne. He's looking to the 10, cuts outside, five. Touchdown, give him a sixer, Brian Payne. Peyton Gavris looking for a pass down the far side. Caught, touchdown, Corbin Cleveland. Give him a sixer. Uh, Give him a sixer. Here's my six picks for the NFL games. Washington plus six and a half. Over Buffalo, mark it down. The over 54, Chargers, Vikings, I love it. Over 46, Detroit, Atlanta, yep. Pittsburgh, plus two and a half. Rams, plus two and a half over the Bengals, thank you. Kansas City, minus 12 and a half over the Bears. I think they just, they they kill them, all right? I just, I don't think it's going to be a really good game. That was my give them a six or pick six. Now it's time for my favorite, one of my favorite new segments that I'm doing. I love food. I love talking about food, and that's why I'm doing my top five favorite fast food burgers. And this is my list. You don't have to like it, but this is my list. I mentioned you can interact on the socials if you want. Let me know what your list is. But it's time for my top five fast food burgers. Thank you, Swedish Chef. My top five fast food burgers coming in at number five. It's square, but it's good. I like the Wendy's burgers. You can get the Dave's single, double, the Baconator. I like Wendy's burgers. Plain and simple. Brahms, uh, number four, I'm sorry, is McDonald's. You know, I love the, you know, you can get the double cheeseburgers, the McDoubles. Sometimes a, a Big Mac just hits right. Quarter pound of cheese. I like the McDonald's burgers for fast food burgers. Number three for me is Brahms. And I know some of you, if you're from Alabama, you don't know what Brahms is. Those of you guys in Oklahoma and Texas that are listening know exactly what I'm talking about. The third pound bacon cheeseburger, it slaps. I had a hard time with my top three. But Brahms, one of the best fast food burgers out there. Number two, Burger King. I've always been a fan of the Whopper. You know, I'm sad to hear that you know a lot of the franchises are closing, but I'm a huge fan of the Burger King Whopper. That comes in as my number two. And my number one, and it's funny because uh, I asked my eight-year-old son, what's your favorite burger? And he agreed the same. Now I'll admit, it's different here in the South than it is out in the Oklahoma, Texas area, but it's still very, very good. My number one fast food burger 
is Whataburger. The double water with cheese, some jalapenos, some of that spicy ketchup. I love it. I absolutely love it. And I know people are, what about Five Guys? What about In-N-Out? And it, no, I'm not a fan of Five Guys. I just, I wasn't really impressed with them. And In-N-Out, why good? I just don't think it's in my top five. I just don't. But that, again, interact on social media. Let me know what you think. Is the ranking wrong? What's your favorite fast food burger? Well, that's going to do it for this episode. So thank you for tuning in to another delicious episode of Sports Bites, where we dished out the perfect blend of sports and food for your ears. I hope you savored the flavor of our discussions and found them as satisfying as your team winning on the field. If you're hungry for more, don't forget to subscribe, rate, review the podcast on all your favorite podcast platforms. Stay connected with us on social media for the latest updates, mouthwatering recipes, and sports insights that hit the spot. Until next time, remember to keep your appetite for sports and food alive, and may your game day snacks always be on point. Good day, everyone, and remember to always positively move forward.